Good morning, All Seasons. It is so good to see you. I'm excited about getting a little bit deeper into this uh, sermon that I started last week. And I told you, I showed it to you from a broad perspective. I know uh, for those that weren't able to be with us, you can catch it online. Uh, I'll give you just a quick overview. We talked about the seven dispensations of time and how those dispensations go forward and backwards and uh, how it works in a large scale of how God created seasons of time. And then we also talked about it, how it works in an individual life and even our country or whatever it might be. You can see it operating in dispensations of time. None of those things will change. Nothing has changed in time. Everything that's ever been will be again. There's nothing new. When somebody says, well, we're headed for something new. No, you're not. You may have a different color phone. You may have a different, but people will never change. And time, the dispensations will not change. So we talked about moving from innocence, Adam and Eve. We talked about conscience that after the fall and how it wasn't very long after the fall, they already were to such a point, God said, I'm fixing to destroy the whole world. Because in conscience, We can sear our conscience, we can keep pushing the envelope, and what seems right to us, and we keep doing what seems right to us, takes us into deeper and deeper problems. We see that in our country. We move from from this to where God established government, a season of government, where where there's laws and, and, and cities and different things that try to hold communities together. We are a country of laws. What, what protects us in America is laws so that we don't go back to consciousness. Now, sometimes we may look at the news and wonder which one we're living in sometimes because it's like, does anybody even live by the law? It's just like whatever somebody wants to do. So we understand that through government, that was what God gave us. And then from that until the time of Abram or Abraham, as we know him, we have what we call promise. Promise came into existence. So God gave a promise of the future, promise of what will be. And so Abraham lived according to promise. From promise, we moved to law. At Moses' time until the time of Jesus, we lived under law. There are are not only man-made government laws, not only promises in those laws, but now there's a godly law, a picture of God, of what God wants you to be like. That lasted until Jesus died on the cross, which brought us the dispensation of grace or the age of the Gentiles, different phrases by different people. You'll hear it in different ways. Then finally, we know that we're waiting on the seventh dispensation, which is the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, where all things are put back in perfect order. Now, we got all the way to the age of grace, and then watching America and watching people's lives, we have moved backwards from that into to laws. If somebody, I remember years ago, it, it seemed like crazy to me, and this is when I was young, 50 years ago, and it's amazing how all this has happened in a 50-year period. 50 years ago, uh, it was just so much different in, in the world. And it's not because, I, w- I don't want to go back and, and you know, live without air conditioning and some of the things that we, uh, that's not what I'm talking about, but the way people thought. And so, so I remember from the moment it went from grace, where grace was a huge part of America, and, and we prayed in school, and we did everything. I mean, everything was godly as far as that concerned. Even though you may not have been godly, you were the outcast. You were just the one like, look, you need to get your life straight. You need to get in church. Remember telling people that? You need to get in church. You need to get your life straight. You need to get, that's, that's all you need to do, because they already knew what they needed to. They grew up hearing it. They grew up seeing it. Their grandparents been praying for them since the time they were born. That was there what they grew up in. From that, they moved back to law. Remember the season when people started to say, well, there ain't no law against that. Remember that season? There ain't no law against that. Ain't no law says I can't do that. So what happened is we moved from, from trying to be living in grace to law. And then, of course, promise. We've seen that on, on display 
here. It's been kind of good to see the Damar Hamlin situation in, in the aspect of watching God being put back at the forefront. That part of it, I don't want to see anyone hurt or no, but it was encouraging to me to know that if tragedy happens, that people still, when they're scared, run back to God. Even, even ESPN that's, that's owned by Disney, who, Lord, if anybody doesn't believe in a God, it's them. Even they have people on their TV shows that they said, yeah, you can pray on, on, on yeah, that's, that's a good thing. So it was encouraging to see people that still believed in promise. Now, I didn't say they were ready to go back to law. ESPN didn't come out the next day and say, we're changing all of our programming. No. And they sure weren't going to grace, but at least they got back to, hey, if we pray, you know, there's a God. If we pray and ask him for help, he'll help us. We don't have to say Jesus. We just don't say God. Let's not get fanatical now. Because even the guy on ESPN, he never mentioned Jesus. He just, he just said, no, God, we believe in you. And God, we, he kind of made sure he didn't get fired. <laughs> let's, be, let's be honest. He wasn't going to get fired. Can't go too fanatical. But then, as I said, we go back to trusting government, watching my life and watching now people where nearly 30% of California lives on the government or homeless. Think about that. 30% of a whole state. If you were driven through their downtown. People on every side. I know our kids went to Atlanta this week, and it's another one of those cities that's, that's, you can't get off a bus without three or four people following behind you. You don't know if they're going to shoot you, beat you up, try to steal from you, ask for money. You don't know. There's no repercussions because we're in a point where government will take care of us. Well, as I said, if you reach the point where you don't trust the government and you reach the point where laws aren't, then what do you do? Well, eventually we will reach back to the point we just do whatever feels right to us. We'll move to consciousness, and when Jesus says, I come back, it'll be like the days of Noah. As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be when I return. It'll be an age of consciousness. You don't want to listen or, or talk. or And so anyway, that was last week. I don't have time to deal with all that. I'd love to preach that again. That's just such good stuff. But can I now go into a smaller realm? Because we live in the age of grace. So I want to preach this morning on being transformed by grace. Because if God said, I want you to move forward, and moving forward meant you get past government, you get past laws, you, you get past your own conscience, you get past promises, and you begin to live in an age or a realm of grace. Now, grace to most people is just, that's unmerited favor. The age of grace just means God loves me and whatever I do, it don't matter. No, no, that's trying to mix consciousness with grace, and it doesn't work. No, grace stands all on its own. And you can be transformed by grace. Look at the person beside you and say, grace will transform you. Grace will transform you. Well, how does that happen, Brother Lot? How am I transformed by grace? Well, go with me in your Bibles because Paul gives us a challenge in Ephesians 4, verses 20 through 32. And I'm going to read a lot of scripture today. Is that okay? So I'm going to move and, and, and just hang with me. But it'll make sense. But you have not so learned who? Christ. Everything I've just told you, still the key is not God, not, not we believe in prayer. Christ. Christ is the key. He said, you who have accepted, you who are in this room, did not learn Jesus Christ this way. Well, how did they learn Jesus Christ? If they didn't learn Jesus Christ, and he goes on before then talking about all the crazy stuff they did and all the, all the stuff they were still living in, he said, that's the world. But you didn't learn Christ that way. You learned Christ in a different way. How then? If indeed... You, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust 
and be renewed in your spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth to his neighbor. So from this moment on, nobody in this room should lie. Put it away. There should not be one person in this room that tells another lie. Therefore, putting away lying. What's the other? Verse 26. Be angry. Every person in this room, look at the person beside you and say, you can get angry, but you cannot sin. means you can't go slap somebody, cuss somebody, shoot somebody, hit somebody. Talk about somebody on Facebook after you've done it. You can get angry, but you can't sin. From this moment on, every person in this room cannot do that anymore, okay? We got that right. See, I can dismiss service after the end of this, and I already told every one of you what to do. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you what Paul preached. Be angry, but don't sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. So anybody you are angry with, somebody that you aren't right with, before the sun goes down today, when you leave this building, you better go fix it. Are we clear? I'm making you mad as I go. Nor give place to the devil. Quit listening to any kind of music that's devil worship and kind of rap junk or, or whatever talks about anything that's ungodly. It talks about girls in bad way. Cut it off. If you need to tear your radio out of your car, get it done. But give no place to the devil in what you read, what you watch, what you do. Don't do it. No more. Are we good? Still love me? Let him who stole steal no longer. Quit stealing stuff from people. I don't care if it's a pencil. Don't steal it no more. A tape measure. I, I had to confess. I'm renowned for pencils and tape measures. If anybody has them and we're working together, I end up with them. I don't know how. It isn't by choice. It's just like, oh, I got Kenneth's tape measure. I'll give it back to him someday. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor. Every one of you in this room, if you can work, go get a job. Well, I don't have to. Go get a job. If you're old enough to work, go work. Don't be stealing from somebody else. Well, I ain't a thief. You go over to your mama's house and eat all her food because you ain't got food at yours, you're stealing. Why would you steal her food because, just because you're too lazy to go get your own? Are you liking my sermon so far? I'm just pre Look, I'm just preaching the Bible. People talk about preaching the Bible. This is Paul. If Paul was in here, this is what he would have told you. Steal no longer, but rather get a, get a job. Working with his hands, what is good? That he may have something to give him who's in need. He said, not only are you working to feed yourself, but you're working so that you can give part of it away to help somebody else. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. You cuss, stop cussing. Nobody wants to hear your foul mouth. If your, if your vocabulary cannot exceed four words, then go get you a dictionary or a thesaurus or get you something and learn something, put something in your brain that's better than four-letter words. Telling you what he says. But what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace, oh, there's that word, that it may impart grace to the listener, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave Got it? Ready to go? I dismiss and you're good. There's a problem. The same person that wrote this also wrote Romans. Now go to me to Romans 7, verses 14 through 24. Now, I want to explain to you that the problem is, is that we, each of us, have to be able to overcome, because if what I've just told you, every one of you is like, I can't do that. You may fake like you do that, but you can't do it. How do you know? Because Paul couldn't do it. And I know Paul was more spiritual than you were. I hate to break it to you. You just think you're spiritual. I went to church. I grew up in church. Well, Whoop-de-doo. I was in church nine months before I was born. My mom and dad singing. I was sitting at a piano stool before I would even come out. I got heritage running out my ears. How many generations you want to talk about? 
But you know, when I came into this world, I came in just as messed up as the last one. And I have areas of my life which will always be problems to me. Let me show you four of them real quick. Number one, because I've been this way for so long. Isn't it hard to quit stuff when you've just been doing it for so long? If I tell somebody, look, you need to dress better. You don't need to be wearing shorts where these cheeks to your rear ends hanging out. Well, that's just the way I've always dressed. You've been doing it so long, you just take it for natural. It's normal. And there's a lot of things that we do, things we, we act like, things we say, things we... That's just normal, brother. That's just the way I am. I've been doing this since I was a kid. And so we get stuck in areas because we say to ourselves, that's all I know. The second thing is because we identify with them. We identify with them. We do them for so long, we act this way, to eventually it just becomes who we are. Well, you know, brother Lot, that's just the way I am. You know, brother Lot, that's just that. You, you leave it up to me. That's what's going to happen. Let me give you a phrase, and, and you finish this. It's just like me to... Tate, it's just like you to what? It's just like you to do what? If you had to say that 10 times, what would you fill in the gap with? Boy, it's just like me to direct this car. Just like me to show up to work late. It's just like me to let something come out of my mouth. It's just like me to do what? And you notice most of the times they're not good things. Well, it's just like me to pray all night. I don't hear that a lot. It's just like, from, just like me to go walk around Walmart, lay hands on people and now we know Jesus was that way because when they wrote about him, they said he went about doing good. If you'd have said, oh, it's just like Jesus to go pray for somebody. It's just like Jesus to raise a dead man. It's just like that Jesus to go walk on water. But when they talk about you, it's just like you to, to lie to me, steal from me. It's just like you to come in with a bad mood and bring us all down. Every time you walk in the room, how you doing? Oh, I'm making. Look, you can leave. We were all doing real good. We're happy. Just like someone. Man, every time he comes in the room, you ever notice the whole mood goes, it's just like you to what? Be careful because you're going to keep speaking over yourself and speaking over yourself until you become, that's the expectation for you. Because my, number three, because my patterns have a payoff. See, it's okay for me to do these things because they have a payoff. Why do you keep doing it? Nobody does anything unless it has a payoff. Even if it's a bad thing, you don't do it without a payoff. It doesn't matter if you're married and you say, I'm going to cheat on my mate. We do it because, oh, it's fun to sneak around. It's, I, I, it's, I feel like I'm alive. What's that? There's one song out a while back that I heard, you know, you know I, I, every time I do wrong, I feel alive. Some phrase like that. And I thought, in other words, he's trained himself. He's taught himself that the only time I really feel alive is when I'm doing something I shouldn't do. Well, imagine if that's your best friend. You wouldn't want to leave your girlfriend around him. You wouldn't leave your wallet laying around. The only time I feel alive is when I'm doing something I shouldn't do. But there's a payoff. There's excitement. There's a payoff. Drugs have a, a payoff. For just a moment, I have this high. Now, of course, I lost my job, my wife, my kids, and everything else. But there was a payoff. You didn't do it without a payoff. And number four, it's hard to change. In fact, it's impossible because the enemy is always there. Satan is always there to discourage. He's called an accuser. That's his job, to accuse you. And we always think, well, he's up in heaven accusing me. No, he's accusing you. He's reminding you all the time what you did and what you've done and how you messed it up and the things you said and how you'll never make it work. And if you've got these other things going on, you're already calling yourself negative. You're already speaking about yourself negative and you already got all this kind of stuff and you've got a bad pattern and a bad habit and a bad way of doing things and you've got the enemy sitting right there saying, it won't ever change. You're always going to be that way. Can you see how hard it is to become different? Well, Paul did. Now let me read it and it'll see if it makes sense. For we know the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. In other words, I was born in it. 
For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I I will to do, that I don't do it. I don't practice it. But what I hate, that I end up doing. If then I do what I will not will not to do. I agree with the law that is good. In other words, I agree that I need to be doing better, but, I, but now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that, well, that's even worse because now I can't even say, well, it's just me. You know, sometimes, no, it's, it's, it's the rottenness that's in me. Even if I said, I'm going to quit. I can't. That's why New Year's resolutions are the funniest things you ever see. Most of them are always about weight. Amen. Hallelujah. They're always about weight. Or something that's, that you know, i got to change that. Well, here's the bad thing. Within a month, almost 60% of people have already quit it. Before the year is out, over 90% of people will have fit, quit what they said needed to change, but they've just gone back to the fact of that's just who I am. I'm always going to be chubby. You know, I'm big boned. I just can't help the way I am. I can't help the way I talk. You know, the people I hang with, the people I've grew up with. You know, if you knew my family, it'd be, you go back to what you are. So, so 90% of people will end the years more in bondage than they started because they will have retrained their mind that you can't change. Paul said, I, I deal with this. I grew up a Pharisee. I grew up learning how to do right. I grew up learning how to do, and everything about the law was perfect. I knew what was right. The problem was I couldn't do it. I did not have the power within me to do it. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good. Look at the person beside you and say, did you know you were rotten? Most of y'all don't know that. You keep faking and acting like, I don't know, I'm good. No, you're rotten. Paul understood it. He said, I'm I'm telling y'all, I understand this for I know in me, that is my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform it, what is good, I do not find. I don't know how to change this. For the good that I will do, I do not do, but the evil I will not, uh, will not to do, that I practice. For if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. If you want to read this in a real good way, get the Message Bible. It does a great job. I'm not always telling you to go buy a message Bible, but if you pull it up on the message Bible, it's really good how he takes the do's and the wills. And Paul, Paul is speaking really beautiful language, but just a modern language. Get the message Bible and read this. And it's just, it's just perfect. It's like you're reading this like, that's me. For if I, I find then a law that evil is, evil is present with me. Quit fooling yourself. The one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am. Notice Paul finally comes to the conclusion he's rotten. So what does he call himself? Wretched. See, for you that keep faking it, you're not fooling anybody. Paul just said, let me just go ahead and be clear. I am a wretched man. He didn't say a wretched man I used to be. The wretched man that I am. Who is going to deliver me From this, this body of death, this death that keeps creating in my life, I start to live and then something kills me. I I start to live and I do something that's like, oh, really? I start to live and a word comes out, really? I start to live and my mind betrays me, really? Point number one, understand this. You're going to have to understand the corrupt and unmanageable nature of your flesh. You're going to have to come to the conclusion, like Paul, that my flesh is unmanageable. 
Well, that makes me feel good, Pastor. I'm just going to then take on the theology. Let's just sin and God will just understand that I can't help myself. No, we live in the dispensation of grace. For where sin abound, grace does much more abound. So how do I piece this together? How do I, how do I create within me this understanding that Paul says in Ephesians, here's what I want you to be. In Romans, he says, I can't do it. How can Paul piece together Ephesians 4 where he's telling people, quit lying, quit doing this, and in the run, he's writing to the Romans, he's saying, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a wretched old dude now. I'm, how do you piece it together? I'm going to give you the four things that create change in your life. If you're going to be successful in the dispensation of grace, if you're going to be successful in this age, there's four things that you've got to do that have to be working in your life. Number one, real change requires learning and facing truth all the time. Your life will not change. If you're not, and I ask people, are you a learner? If you do not have the ability to face truth, if you do not have the ability to confront truth, if you do not have the ability to do that, you will always be in trouble. Go with me to Proverbs 23 and 23. Here's what it says. But the truth and do not buy the truth and do not sell it. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. One translation says, learn the truth and never reject it. Don't ever reject truth. I love how Isaiah says it. Go with me to Isaiah 30, 8 through 11. I could preach a whole sermon on this, but this, I just want to show this to you. Isaiah 30, 8 through 11. Here's what it says. Now go, write it before them on a tablet and note it in a scroll that it may be for a time to come forever and ever. He says, I want to give you some truth. And when I give it to you, write it down because it won't change. Here's what it says. That this is a rebellious people, lying children, children who will not hear the law of the Lord, who say to the seers, who say to the people who's supposed to tell them the truth, here's what they say. They say to the seers, we don't want to know what you're seeing. Do not see. And to the prophets, those that are prophesying, hey, if you keep doing this, this is where you're going to end up. To the prophets, they say, do not prophesy to us right things. Speak to us smooth things. Prophesy unto us what? Deceits. Hey, we don't care if you're lying to us. We don't care if we don't work. We don't care. We just want to hear something good. Just tell us we're okay. Tell us God loves us. Tell us everything's all right. Tell us we don't have to change. Tell us, tell us, just tell us nothing good stuff. If you'll keep telling us good stuff, man, we will, we will like you. We'll pay our tithes. I'll join that church. I like that pastor a lot, man. He's just always making me feel good about myself. And, 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 you know, even though, you know, I've lost my wife last week, it don't matter. I like the way he tells me I'm still okay. Prophesy smooth thing. Get out of the way. Turn aside from the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before. We don't want to hear about what he has to say. We don't want to know what he thinks. If I want to go lose my money at a casino next weekend, that's my business. If I want to sleep with this next week, that's my business. If I want to do this, that, that's my business. Hey, don't bring God into it. We don't want to hear anything God has to say. God ain't as smart as us. Yeah. Just tell us deceitful things, things that make us feel better. about. John 3 and 11 says it this way. Jesus says, I'm telling you the truth. Yet instead of facing the evidence and accepting it, you procrastinate with question. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. Here's what it says. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in... Notice what it's used for. All scripture is wonderful. 
Everybody should memorize Scripture. It's a beautiful, wonderful thing to put a Scripture on your wall, to, to get you a little plaque and hang it in your living room or do something. Scripture is wonderful, beautiful little ornaments that you can hang around. No, Scripture is given by the inspiration of God for what purpose? For doctrine. For what? Reproof. For what? Correction. For what? Instruction. That the man of God may be, oh, so we can be complete. But one of the categories that has to be added to our life to accomplish it is the word truth. I don't care how you get it. Some of y'all need to change your lifestyles. You need to turn off half the junk you're, you're listening to. You need to quit watching half the stuff you're watching. And you need to put up some Christian podcasts. You need to get some Bible podcasts. You need to get some any type of thing. You need, to, you need to keep up with how much you're listening to. And you need to make sure that you're getting truth in your life. If you're not, then it's going to override you. Eventually, you'll just hate truth. My son, the other night, last night, was in a conversation with someone on, on, on the phone and Facebook, Instagram, I don't know, I don't know about that, but he, he, he just mentioned to me, he just said, said, she threw out this post, you know, just threw something out. And he said, well, have you thought about this? You thought about this? You thought about this? And, and of course, that ticked her off that we actually have to have a conversation. That we, oh, well, we're going to have to have actual proof of all this stuff. Yeah, that would be good. Well, long story short, she finally blocked him. I'm like, really? She just, of course, I don't understand all that. I don't do all that. So I'm, I'm just like, that's why I want somebody in front of me where they can't just block me. It's like, oh, no, no, you're still standing here. We're talking. You can't, you can't block me now. You can run for your car, but you can't block me. And I'm going to be screaming while you're going, hey, you know. And I get into some messes doing that sometimes. But number one is you've got to have the word of truth. And you've got to be willing to face it. You've got to be willing to face truth. Number two is prayer. Change, real change requires a new way of thinking. And it comes through prayer. Let me show you in 1 Peter 5, 5 through 9. 1 Peter 5, 5 through 9. Here's what it says. Likewise, you younger people, that means if you're under 54, I'm talking to you right now because you're younger. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your, that means whatever I tell you, and you can find it in the Word of God, then you need to do it. Just like I said a while ago when I was reading Peter. I was 54. I talked to you younger people of what Paul said, and now your job was to do it. That don't sound no fun. I know. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to the elders. Yes, all of you be submissive one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives. I know you get mad. I know it's like, well, tell me what to do. Yes, I am. I don't like it. I know, but do it anyway. Why? Because you have two options. If you swell up in pride and walk away, you're going to walk away a worse life and dumb. Ain't nothing worse than being messed up and dumb. And if you walk away, you're going to be messed up and dumb. But if you humble yourself, grace will kick in and grace will give you the power to accomplish what I'm asking you to do. So when somebody says, I can't do that, I know, but I'm telling you to do it anyway. I can't, I, well, I'm just telling you, I can't do that. I know, do it anyway. That don't make no sense. I'm telling you, I can't do it. Yeah, I know, do it anyway. Why? Because I have been in this thing long enough to know that the moment you choose to do it, and even though you know you don't have the power to do it, when you start doing it, grace will kick in, and grace is the ability to do what you cannot do within yourself. That's how grace works. So every time you say, I can't do it, you're not lying. You can't. I can't quit doing this. I can't stop this. I'm having a problem. I have anger problem. I, yes, I agree with all of those things. I'm not, I've been around you long enough. I, amen. 
But that's still not an excuse that you can't do it. It just means you can't do it. But you, when you begin to try, grace will kick in and grace will overcome. And that's where prayer comes in. Even the world knows this. Some of you Christians are dumber than people in the world. The people I just told you about, about Lamar. Guess what? They don't go to church. They don't sing praise songs. They don't ask God for anything. They ain't paying tithes. They're not committed. But you may tell you when they had a problem, the first thing all them dumb rascals decided to do, you know, prayer works. We can call on God. And you who are supposed to know him, you whine worse than anybody. I'm sorry if I'm being ugly, but I'm telling you, you're going to have to realize grace has the power to change you. I'm I'm different in a lot of ways. Through time, grace has changed me in a lot of ways. One of the ways is this. I don't worry about dead people. I don't do reminiscing. I don't do thinking about. I don't do going grave sites. I don't, I don't, I'm only responsible for those that are still breathing. He is the God of the living and the dead. In fact, there ain't nobody dead in him. He don't lose a one of them. But God never tells me to stop and live the rest of my life reminiscing of my past. Forgetting those things which are, those are behind. I press now toward the prize. Why? Because grace doesn't operate in the past. Let me tell you where grace will not help you. When you sit down and start pulling up old junk, old memories, what you used to do in high school and all that stuff, let me tell you what will not happen. Grace will not show up there. That's flesh. That's why you get to crying again and boo-hooing. It's so hard. It's tough. And I miss it. Move forward. Think about something futuristic and let grace take you where you can't go. You don't care about those people? Oh, no, no. Here's how much I care about them. I care about them so much that I'm pressing forward in grace. And I'll say this. My dad, who died a year ago, I'll say this right here. Well, don't you miss your dad? No, I'll see my dad again. How can, how can I be missing somebody that one day I'm going to see him again? I ain't lose anything. I didn't misplace anything. He just don't break. And whether I live another 30 years or 20 years, guess what? One of these days, I'm going to open my eyes, and I'm going to be on the other side, and me and him going to hug again, and we're going to sit down again, and we're going to talk again. Now, you can boo-hoo, but I'm going to tell you, you say, how can you believe like that? Grace. Grace says, Tim, we don't live in the past. We live in the future. We live toward what the world can't grasp. The world can grasp that. If that people sit down with you and put their armor, oh, I know how you feel, sweetie. It's tough and it's hard. That ain't people with grace. It's me who comes along and says, oh, get up and quit whining about that. Listen, that person's in heaven. You're going to get there one day. Get some job and get to work. Have something to talk about when you get there. One day when I meet my dad, I'm going to look at him and say, dad, you never got to see all the camp I built. Dad, you never got to see all the other sermons I preached. Dad, you I'm going to sit down and tell you about some of the things you never got to be a part of. And that requires grace. Prayer doesn't make you feel bad about your past. Prayer gets you excited about your future. Number three, and I got to run. The third thing that is required is church. Is church. Or let me say it this way. Change requires community and coaching. It requires a church. Go, Go with me in your Bibles to Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. I'm not going to sit here long. We, we know this to be a truth. We need church. We need community. We need to tell our faults one, two. So here's the key. If you know you're messed up and, you're, and, and you come to the good conclusion, then church will fit you. Because what are you supposed to do in church? Confess your faults. What do you think I do every Sunday? Well, look, guys, I'm telling you, this is where I struggle. This is where I, I'm confessing my faults all the time. And it's crazy because people meet me afterwards. They're like, man, I love the way you just just real. And you're just honest. And I'm like, well, you know, that's just who I am. I don't know who you think somebody else is, but I hate to break it to you. Jensen Franklin got issues. T.D. Jakes got issues. Who else do you like? Stephen Furtick? 
name them. They all got issues. As long as they're in this flesh, they're going to have to crucify something all the time. They're, they're, it's just part of nature. Now, here's what the Bible says. And he himself, means Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Well, for what purpose? Why am I a pastor? Why, why do I pastor all seasons? Here's why. For the equipping of the saints. My job is to get in you as much as I can so that you will be better than you are right now. It's my job. For the equipping of the saints to, to help you become the best. My job won't ever change. Let's just say I was a mechanic. If I was a mechanic, how would you know I'm a great mechanic? Somebody tell me how, you, how I would know I'm a great mechanic. I did what? How many cars? So I had to fix enough of them to where people eventually have the reputation about me that I am a good mechanic. Now, if I'm a bad mechanic, what would, be the, what would people say about me? Don't take your car over there. Why? Lord, I'm telling you, stuff comes out of there worse than it came in. Okay, so, so my job will never change. Do you know that 10 years from now, I will still be fixing a car? No, one day I quit being a mechanic and I'm just known as a mechanic and I sit in the office and I'm really not a mechanic anymore, but everybody praises me for being a mechanic. No, you're only a good mechanic as long as you're fixing. You may have to get a bigger shop. People may bring more cars to you. You may have to work longer hours because you got more stuff piled up and more stuff to do than you ever before, but you're still doing the same thing you did when you started, still fixing cars. Do you understand? I will still be preaching sermons. I will still be visiting hospitals. I will still be loving people. I will still be putting my arm around. I'll still be shaking hands. My job for the next 20 years will never change. To the day I die, my job will not change. And Jesus said, I gave you that job. And your job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. I'm only good when I get you off that chair and I get you working. So when I pry on you and I'm like, look, you need to volunteer. Why does Pastor Locke keep bothering me? He knows I don't want, I ain't got time for all this stuff. I wouldn't be doing my job. My job is to equip you so that you find your place in the body to do. So I don't care if it's coffee shop, cleaning. I don't care if you work in nursery. I don't care if you work in kids. I don't, it doesn't bother me. Using your gifts for the kingdom and for the edifying, for the lifting up of the whole body of Christ. So that all seasons would be a city church, would be a church that everybody in the city would say, man, they make, this, they make forest better than I've done my job. That's, that's, that's the key. And God says, if you're going to become what you need to be, you're going to need prayer, and you're going to need the word of truth, and you're not going to need a good church. When our kids move, when Taylor's moved off now and Nathan's moved off, first thing we, the only thing me and Elise care about, the only thing we care, we don't care if, they're, if, they're, if they pick up garbage for a living. We don't care if they work in hospitals or, or whatever they do or, 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 or in the middle. We don't care. That's just a job. Be happy. Find something to do. Make some money. Be happy. I'm going to tell you the only thing that will ever make or break my heart with my kids is whether or not they're in church. Because for their life to change... They need truth, they need prayer, and they need somewhere, even it may, it may not be perfect or it may not be the everything, it's okay. Just as long as it's truth, learning truth, somebody there to hold you accountable. Find a part, find a life group, find something. God created it for you to grow. Number four, for real change to happen in your life, it will require the Holy Spirit. All this other stuff we do, this is, this is stuff that most anybody would tell you to do. This is what separates us from a lot of churches. It's why I'm, I'm, I'm not Methodist, Baptist, or any of the others. They, they, they do great at Bible. They do great at, at, at teaching. They do great at, at prayer. They do great at all these other areas. I have no problem with that. The reason I am who I am, the reason I, I'm, I'm committed to who I'm committed to is because I need the Holy Spirit in His fullness to accomplish what I need to accomplish. 
has nothing to do with being a better person or I'm a, I'm a better. No, I'm, I'm messed up just like the other person. I'm just telling you to be the person I need to be. I got to have the Holy Spirit. And I need as much of the Holy Spirit powered on me and as much of the Holy Spirit working on me. So, so if I told my kids, find a church, there's other pre- prerequisites of this. You better find a spirit-filled church. Don't find no dry cracker juice. Don't care about going. Look at your clock till 12 o'clock and then ready to hurry up and boat. The only thing you cared about for that hour was where we're going to eat lunch. I, I don't want that. Find you a church. To where you look at your watch, you're like, Lord, we've been here an hour, two hours. I don't, man, I ain't even hungry. I, you preach some more, bro. Why? Because when the Spirit's moving, you're growing. Let me see if I can make this. Go with me to Zechariah. I got a lot to teach here, so I got to run. Zechariah 4 and 6, here's what it says. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit says the Lord. There's some things that only through the Spirit it will be accomplished. Go with me to Romans again, and let's go to Romans 8. Now, I showed you the problem Paul had, and I said there's a gap between Ephesians and Romans 7. Romans 7, he's talking about all his failures. He's talking about all he can't do. Oh, wretched man that I am. We've come to the conclusion that every one of us in this room, if you're, if you're wise, you're wretched. You toe up from the floor. You got issues. Whether you want to share them with anybody or not, whether you want to keep them quiet and make sure nobody will ever know. Believe me, we already know. We, we all, if we hung around you more than 10 minutes, we know. There's folks praying for you you don't even know praying for you. And, and, and so how does Paul then come to, to the conclusion? Paul says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? And then he comes out and says, but Christ. What he says is, is that through Christ, I all of a sudden can be what I cannot be any other time. In fact, let me see. I'm going to pull this up. Go back to verse 25 of Romans 7. My bad. I'm just going to throw something else at you. Can you go back to... All right. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the... But with the flesh I serve the... So he makes a distinction. He says, as long as I live, I'm going to be stuck in this flesh. I cannot escape the flesh. And so I'm always going to have a battle with sin. He comes to grips with it. But he says, I understand that in my members also is another warrior, and it is the Spirit. And through the Spirit, I can overcome. So then how does he remedy all of this? Well, now go back with me to chapter 8, beginning at verse 1 through 9. Let me read this. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the, but according to the, if you choose the Spirit, you're going to live. If you listen to your flesh, you're going to die. Even though you're in the dispensation of grace, that's why we have a lot of people who go to church and they go to church and they're like, well, I went to church, it didn't help any. It's because you went to church in your flesh. You went to church, listened to all that, but your spirit never intended to listen to or obey what the preacher told you to do. You had all the excuses. Well, that's just not who I am. Well, you know, I can't help myself. Or I just, no, you choose to listen to your flesh instead of listening to the spirit. That's what Paul said. How did I overcome this? He said, there is therefore no condemnation of those who walk in our flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life of Christ made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. In other words, the, the dispensation of law could not accomplish what God wanted because the flesh was not strong enough in itself to do it. That means from the time of Moses to the day Jesus died on the cross... Every man that came in there, and I wish I had time to say this, but Jesus said, listen to me, John the Baptist, John the Baptist was the greatest of prophets. He was the mightiest of prophets. 
I mean, Isaiah, Jeremiah, he said, no, no. John the Baptist was more full of the Spirit, more empowered than any prophet that ever came on the face of the earth. And then he closes it by saying this, but the least in the kingdom of God is more powerful than John. How can that be? John, John was an incredible, he was in the old covenant. Uh, he was the closest thing to perfection in the old law of trying to do right and trying to live right. But John couldn't scratch what one weak little Christian has inside of them when the Holy Spirit comes in and the power of God comes in and the Word of God comes in and now the curtain is torn and we can pray directly to God. John couldn't go directly to God. John couldn't pray like that. John didn't have the Spirit of God inside of him. That's what John wanted. Remember he said, I baptize you, but, but I need you to baptize me with fire. And Jesus said, everything has to be done in its own time. But John never got that. But listen to me. Thanks be unto God. Tim Lott got that. I know what it is to be baptized in fire and in water. I know what it is to feel the presence of God pouring through me. And even when my flesh says we can't do it, my spirit says, oh yes, we can. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We are more than conquerors through him. Don't tell me I can't do it. That's just my flesh talking to me. I can through Christ, through his word, through prayer, through my church community, through the Holy Ghost, I can do all things. And that becomes our mantra to the world. In fact, let's go back. Let me just say it this way. 16 times in the next verses, he mentions the Holy Spirit. 16 times. He's going to tell you, I do it by the Spirit. I do it by the Spirit. I do it by the Spirit. It's through the Holy Spirit. But go back to verse 1. I'm going to show you something. There is therefore no, how is it there is no condemnation in me when I'm still sometimes mess up when I still sometimes don't, don't listen to the right voice and I say the wrong thing? Or how come there's no more condemnation in me if I'm in Christ, but I still have moments? Listen to me very carefully. Because God expects you to sin. Look at the person beside you. say, like God expects you sometimes to sin. Oh, that's a lot. That's, well, listen, if you don't want to live that way, then you can live by law. And every time you mess up, you can just throw ashes on your head and walk around and be like, I'm a horrible person and God don't love me. And he probably won't ever answer another prayer. And I just need... That's he, Paul said, I don't live under any condemnation. Now, does that mean I just continue in sin? No, 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 that's not what he's saying. He's saying there's no condemnation because the weight of the solution is not on me anymore. Under the law, the weight of the solution was on who? Me. Tim, you need to quit doing that. Tim, you need to stop doing that. Tim, you need to quit saying that. Tim, you need to act better. Tim, you need to live better. Tim, isn't that a horrible way to live? It makes you not even want to go to church after a while. But Paul said, no, no, that's not the way it works. I'm no longer under condemnation because God expects me to flub it up sometimes. I'm no longer under condemnation to those who are in Christ, who do not walk. In other words, my intention is not to walk by flesh, but to walk by spirit. So when I mess it up, God says, all right, what you going to do? Lord, I ask you to forgive me. Why did God say to us, if we sin or when we sin, hey, ask for forgiveness. If he knew that when you got saved... Why is it he called 12 guys to him and, and was going to teach them to be in ministry when some of them would cuss him at the end, when some of them would mess up, when some of them would diso, and he'd just look at them like, Lord, how long I got to deal with you? Why didn't he just say, y'all all need to go home because I've done decided none of y'all is going to be perfect. None of y'all is going to ever get it right. Peter, I'm sick and tired of you, Peter. I am sick and tired of your foul mouth. I'm sick and tired of your attitude. I'm sick. Peter, just going home. Why didn't he do that? Let me give you a secret. He knew what he was working with. God knows that when he works with you, He's working with an imperfected being. 
He realizes, yes, you're full of grace and grace is changing. But he also realizes you wake up every day wrapped in flesh and you are rotten to the core. So that when I do good, it is no longer I who do it, but it's the spirit that's in me. And when I do bad, it's not me. It's that flesh that just keeps pulling it. I want to do good, Paul says. I have a desire to do good. But I find this member in me that just keeps warring against me. Oh, wretched man, how do I overcome this? I overcome it by the Spirit of God, by the Word, by my community. That's how real change happens in your life. Listen to me very carefully. You can leave this room today and the enemy will criticize you, accuse you every second of your life for what you did, what you think, every, every moment of your life. And you can live in condemnation and hate church and hate reading your Bible and hate every part of it and still want to go to heaven. I don't want to die. I want to go to heaven, but I hate all the stuff. It's because if you live in condemnation, every, you're still living in the law. Let me show it to you this way. If there's no condemnation in it, go with me to Galatians 5, verses 22 through 25. I'll show you. I shared some of this last week. But let me share it with you again. But the fruit of the... I want you to be careful here now. We always, we always tell people, to be a good Christian, what do you need to do? Tate, what do you need to do? To be a good Christian. If you want to be a good Christian, what things do you need to do? Huh? All right, you're going to work for the Lord, but what, what, what attitude, what, 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 what do you need to be? Okay, you got to love people. I mean, that's duh, no brainer. You're going to be a good Christian, you got to love people. What else you got to do? Be joyful. Hey, Christian, if you're a good Christian, you ain't going to walk around like... The whole world's bad. No, no, good Christians going to be joyful. Anything else? Huh? Humble. Be humble. I mean, you got to humble yourself. You got to. Well, let me give you some advice here. If you're rotten to the core and I'm asking you to be a good Christian, what can't you do? Any of it. Let me give you some spiritual advice that, that a lot of times you just read it and it flops over your head. The fruit of the flesh, the fruit of the is love, joy, peace. Long-suffering, if you say, oh, I want to be more long-suffering, then fall in love with the Spirit. His fruit is long-suffering. His fruit is kindness. His fruit is goodness. His fruit is faithfulness. Oh, I, I need to be more faithful, Brother Light. I know I need to get back in church, and I need to be more faithful in church. You can't do it. It's not your fruit. Your flesh can't produce it. You're like the guy that, that, that says, I'm going to eat right. I'm going to do right. I'm, not, I'm never going to do wrong again. I'm, I'm, I'm going to eat this, this year. I'm, I'm making a resolution. And I'm telling you, I'm tired of being chubby. I'm tired of these chipmunk cheeks. I'm tired of this. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to do right. And man, you're doing six months out of the year. You're like getting skinny and everything. And you're just doing well. And man, how, how's it going? Going good, going good, man. I'm, not, I'm working out three times a day. I'm doing, I'm doing everything. I'm doing everything. And then one day they find you dead in the back of a donut shop. You done died of sugar overdose. You got powder all over your face. And you're laying there like, donut in one hand, tiger tail in the other. And many Christians live life. How you doing? Good. How's it going? Great. And then one day we look up and it's like, where's so-and-so? Oh, they quit. I just talked to them two weeks ago. They were in church. They were like, yeah, they, I think there were some things they just never came to grip. You think? You should have just ate the donut and then learned through God, not your flesh, how to live in the moderation of what he would choose. Not in your flesh deciding, I will change. That's a remedy for disaster. I'm going to get back in church. I'm going to, I'm going to get back in there with God. Well, that's going to be hard when the Bible says no man comes to God unless the Spirit draws them. So every time you tell somebody, you need to get in church, you're telling them to do something, they already can look at you and say, I can't do it. I know I want to do that, but I can't do it. I've tried it. He said gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no, I live above the law. There's no law against me. I don't have to worry about the law because I live at a level higher than that. In Genesis, he talks about it that way. Let me see if I can show it to you real quick and I'm through. 
In Genesis, it says that God created man in his own image and he breathed in him the breath of life. We think that God breathed oxygen. It's a bad philosophy. He was just a piece of clay and God reached down and blew and he became a living. No, when he blew in him, he became a living soul. What he gave man was his spirit. And in the age of innocence, man was living unflawed, full of the spirit of God. And God said, the day you eat of the fruit, you will die. Well, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, did they die? Yes, they did. But they were still breathing. <sighs> but Adam and Eve was dead. The moment they ate the fruit, the spirit of God, you won't die because you're still, you'll die because you have a spirit. Oh, you'll still be, <sighs> but you'll die. And that's what God teaches us is that in that moment, through Galatians 5, you have two choices. You can either love the flesh or you can love the spirit. And none of it is quick. I'm 54 years old today, headed toward 55. I got saved when I was nine years old. It has taken every one of those days. Somebody says, well, Brother, you know so much, you've learned. It, take, it took every day that you see. I'm going to say this. I can grow a mushroom in six hours. It takes me 20 years to grow up. I can grow something either way. It's just how much you're patient. That oak tree, I may have to the first few years tie it up, strap it to keep it from blowing over and dying, and, but eventually it will grow its roots, and eventually it will stand the wind. And people will come by and they say, wow, that's an incredible oak tree. Man, I wish I was an oak tree. You got 20 years? Yeah, but I want the mushroom version. There is no mushroom version. We are in the dispensation of grace, and God can transform you, your mind, your spirit, your body, your soul, into anything you, anything you, beyond anything you can desire. But you have to desire it. You have to decide, I'm going to put his truth above all truth. I'm going to pray about the things that I want to see changed and the things. But prayer teaches me how to be dependent on God. Prayer teaches me. I'm going to get in church. And oh, I know I hate Pastor Lot preaches long all the time. And it's just some things take too long. And, and man, I, I have to get up every Sunday. It's raining today. And I, I know it's going to be a pain. It's just a pure pain. Go through everything. And then you're going to have to allow the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to make room for him. You're going to have to listen to him more than you listen to your flesh. Even though it doesn't seem like it's, it's it seems like what's the problem? Why will it hurt? What? And you wake up one day and your marriage is thirty years, and you wonder how you got. There. You wake up one day and you got three beautiful kids, and you wonder how you got there. You wake up one day and you're surrounded by friends and church, and you wonder how you. Got there. One day people look at you and they're like, "Man, you're like an oak tree," and you wonder how you. Got there. It was by not by might nor by power, but by His Spirit. In the dispensation of grace, made a place for you, and He's given you everything according to Peter, everything necessary. To grow and become, you just have to choose. Yeah, but some things hurt, brother. Lott. Yes, they do. It's not always fun. It's productive, just like going a tree. Now, do I need to read Ephesians four again? Tell you all the stuff you need to do. If I did, could you say I can do that? Would you look at it differently now? Would you just say I can do that? You sure you can do that? Well, I can't do that, but I can do all things through Christ, through His truth, through prayer, through the believers that He surrounded me with to encourage me and strengthen me and be my friend, and through His Holy Spirit who empowers me beyond anything I can do. I can do it. If you could grasp that this morning, you would understand why we don't have to slip back to law, why we don't have to slip back to just praying for Lamar when things go bad. In two weeks from now, we'll be forgotten all this. We won't be praying on, on TV no more. We'll all go back to our normals. And if we're not careful, we'll drift all the way back like this world. Will we teeter between government and consciousness and what we want to do and what feels right and and we'll wonder why life ain't working out. It's because you were built in a way you can't live without the Spirit of God. Listen to me very carefully. When God designed you, a human being, you were built to have the Spirit inside like Adam did. And without that, 
you're on a disastrous road. That's what Paul understood. Without that spirit, no matter how hard I try, no matter how much I want to do, I'm doomed. But with his spirit, I can make it. I can be the husband, the wife. I can be the Christian at work. I can be what he called me to be. I can be it. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthened me. I can do all things. Nothing is impossible. And now that I'm in his family, now that I'm one of his children, I have access so that nothing's too hard, nothing's too big, nothing's impossible. It's just my choice. Father, as I pray over this congregation today, and they leave here, the enemy will still be accusing them, still be reminding them how, how sorry they are of things they've done, just like he has in me. And he will come sometimes still try to come back and remind me, well, you know what you did, and you know what you used to be, and you know... And I can't argue with him. I'm like, yeah, that's what I used to be. But thanks be unto God, I'm not that anymore. It is through Christ I'm more than I ever thought possible. Do you still make mistakes, Tim? Yes, I still flub it up. But thanks be unto God, I can quickly just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm still wrestling. I'm still breathing. This old flesh is still fighting. Forgive me as I get up once again. I straighten myself up and I head and follow your spirit. That's our walk as a Christian. If somebody in this room today needs to readjust that, needs to reevaluate that, needs to, don't walk out of here and say, well, that's just the way I am, brother. No, it's not. That's what you've convinced yourself and the enemy holds you in. I'll always be a mess up. No, you're not. That's what the enemy keeps saying to you. God says you're precious. God says you're the apple of his eye. God says I never made any mistakes and you're not the first one. God says I love you with an everlasting love and I have plans for you plans to prosper you and bring you to a good end. If you're in this room today, will you just let the Holy Spirit, will you let Him enter in and do His work in your life? Let Him rebuke, reprove, let Him push out all the things that don't belong. When you get in the car today and you start changing the radio station, let His voice be the voice. Hey, you don't get that. You don't need to listen to that. When you start to read something or look up something on your phone or internet or whatever it might be, just being able to say as the Spirit says, you, you don't need, you don't, no, we don't, we don't, we don't mess with that. You have a choice today to follow your flesh or follow your spirit. And I pray with all of my heart today you will choose the spirit because he has a life for you that's beyond anything you can expect. He has a mate for you one day. He has a job for you one day. He has everything planned. He just needs you to humbly submit and live in grace. Grace is not unmerited favor. Grace is the ability to do what you cannot do in yourself. That's where we live. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Man, I'm excited about this year. It's going to be something good. Hey, go give that old devil fits this week.